0: This podcast is made possible by the generosity of supporting members. Please visit DharmaOcean.org to learn more about becoming a supporting member. You are listening to the Dharma Ocean Podcast. Today, we listen to Reggie's opening talk for an online course he taught on integrating meditation into the journey of intimate relationship. He says that the Tantric Consort tradition shows us how to discover ever deeper levels of love and relationality with our partner. This excerpt is from a talk given in the Tantric Consort, Awakening Through Relationship, an audio course produced by Sounds True. It is available for download in the Dharma Ocean online store.
1: And it's uh, a little bit uh, intimidating to begin to talk about the, this aspect of Vajrayana Buddhism, but I feel it's really time, and I'm uh, greatly appreciative to Sandstrue and to Tammy for helping uh, provide an opportunity for me to talk about the consort relationship. I want to talk in general tonight, uh, and later I want to talk in much more detail. The consort relationship is really essentially a practice. It's a spiritual practice, and uh, those of us who have been engaged in it, and there may be many people in the audience who have, realize that in the modern world it's one of the most challenging and the most uh, in a sense fulfilling of all spiritual practices. So just to say a little bit, um, many of us in this modern world sense the sacredness of relationship and especially our intimate relationships and it may well be that in the modern world the ultimate spiritual gate and the ultimate spiritual crucible is actually the intimate relationship. And I hope over this session and the next three, I can explain why I think this is so. In um, some modern writing, postmodern writing, there's been a very interesting theme developing, which is that intimate relationships and you know what we might call marriage, whether people are actually married or not, but the long-term committed relationship may well be the ultimate arena of creativity in our modern culture. In a sense, uh, out of the intimate physical relationship, of course, new life is created. But I think this is actually a metaphor for something far more universal, meaning that two people who long for each other deeply and are willing to go literally through hell in order to find each other and that's, that's the nature of uh, true, true and deep intimacy. Um, that, you know, people willing to do that, they're willing to do it because in spite of the amount of challenge and even torment that's involved in our relationships, our intimate ones, we all sense that there is something there for us, something that is um, at the very root of our life and our own journey as humans. So people um, do this very strange thing together. They they make this strange, unfathomable journey in our modern world. And it, it's, it really is different from what has generally occurred in more traditional cultures, where the roles of love partners with each other, uh, whether uh, heterosexual or gay or otherwise, um, have been strictly circumscribed by conventional values. And in our own culture, it's been that way in the past. But now we are uh, really in a different situation. And there, it's as if the arena of the spiritual uh, journey has seems to be now shifting into the, uh, the intimate relationship. So people do this, uh, this amazing thing. And they go through very, um, very, very deep engagement, very deep challenge, very deep pain, and very deep transformation, and something comes out of it. Uh, if any of you have seen Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf by Edward Albee, um, it's, uh, it's an amazing play that was written really quite some time ago. And in that play, the two uh, main characters literally beat each other to death And in case you haven't seen it, they torment each other and they end up destroying each other's world and destroying each other. And the uh, amazing thing about this uh, play is at the end, something happens, they lose everything and then something happens and some new dawn and some deeper sense of connection begins to emerge. And for me, you know, that, uh, that scenario, which I think happens far more often in our culture than uh, most of us are willing to admit, most of us are, are even uh, feel brave enough to admit, that gets really at the essence of the tantric uh, consort relationship. The, the essence of the relationship is about um, absolute and total meeting of the other, and through that meeting, undergoing fundamental spiritual transformation. Now when we talk about spiritual transformation you know we have to understand really what's at stake here. Often we think of spirituality as fulfilling some kind of goal that uh, we have in our mind we read in a book. In the uh, Vajrayana tradition and in the tantric tradition as in other ones, the um, you know the goal of spirituality is really to strip away all of our preconceptions and all of our ideas, all of our uh, very well-entrenched and logical and safe and secure thinking process so that we begin to encounter reality in a way that's truly naked. And we, and when we do that, we begin to find out the true extent of the universe, the true depth and fullness of its, its sacredness and its beauty and its power and at the same time we begin to discover who we are as human beings in a way that's much deeper. And I think, as as we'll see over the next few sessions, that's exactly what the concert relationship is about. It is um, making that possible, and I hope that we can, by the end of this program, not only have a sense of how it works, have a deeper understanding of what spirituality is, and what its possibilities are, but also have a, uh, some angle on it, how we can actually practice it ourselves. So this, uh, one thing that I need to say about this tradition is that it's a, this tradition of consort uh, relationality is that it's, it's, uh, it's a matter of, as I've been saying, unfolding experience and unfolding practice, talking about it and using our left brain to understand it in a logical, reasonable, conceptually coherent way, while important at the beginning and really what I'm going to be focusing on mainly tonight, uh, if that's all we do, we would miss the point. And I want to emphasize this because in modern culture, you know, which is so left brain oriented, we often think that if we read something and we have an intuitive understanding of what is being said in, say, a spiritual book, that we actually understand it and that somehow we've incorporated it. And I think the uh, particular message of the Tantric tradition is that that while that's a good beginning and it's a necessary starting point, that until we have engaged the path, the tantric path, in a way that goes beyond our concepts, and in a way puts more of our fundamental ego structure at risk, that we're not uh, we're not going to change, and actually we're not going to understand the tradition. One of the interesting things in modern culture is that I think often we read books. And it gives us such a strong impression that we understand that we don't realize there's anything more. And that's a, it's a terrible tragedy because it's, it's as if we come to the door of an entire new world, a new way of being human, and we look through and we see this fabulous landscape and we think we're already there and we're not. And then it becomes jaded and we move on to another door and we look through, but we never actually step through. And that's very sad because the modern situation is making available to us these traditions that have really been uh, often severely restricted and and sometimes, as in this tradition, quite secret in a unique way. And yet, because of our left brain bias, we don't realize there's more. So how are we going to do this? How am I going to um, present this material to you so that our eyes are opened and our hearts are open to a different way, not only of being in relationship, but of making the spiritual journey itself. That's my challenge. And uh, one thing I I can say is it's going to be finger painting. And there are a few themes which I'll initiate and inaugurate tonight, and then we'll visit them again. But uh, we're going to be coming around the same themes over and over and over. And my idea is that uh, this, is, this course is a spiral. And each time we come around, we'll be going not higher, but we'll be going lower and deeper into the earth. And at a certain point, um, when we actually touch the essence of the tantric consort relationship, I hope that we will be deeply within the process of the earth itself. So, one question might be, um, you know, why do we, why am I teaching this really to modern people, or should this be taught to modern people, and should it be taught in the modern world? Um, Is there any point? One of the things that I would say, um, beyond what I've already said tonight, is that in the, the traditional, particularly the Asian cultures where Tantric Buddhism was practiced, most male-female relationships and most uh, human relationships, whatever of whatever the uh, the gender and sexual orientation, as I mentioned, were strictly confined within certain expectations. And within that framework, the tantric consort relationship in India, for example, was uh, illegal. And there are stories of people who were practicing this tradition and who took on this relationship in its integral form and who were killed. They were put to death because the tantric relationship is inherently destabilizing of a a sort of superficial conventional way of looking at things. There were always within the tantric tradition people who did carry out this practice. And we know this. Um, it goes all the way back to our earliest records of the Vajrayana or Tantric tradition. But they were very few and far between. And they tended to be people who were out of the mainstream, people who lived on the periphery of the culture. And often they practiced in secret because the um, of particularly within India, the very conventional uh, caste system and its uh, it's rules and regulations, and the extreme sanctions if you broke the rules. And, you know, to be in an intimate relationship, as I mentioned, you have to make your own journey. In some sense, the, the intimate relationship gives birth to a new reality. And, you know, we see it in uh, Edward Albee's play, uh, we see it in some postmodern writing, this emphasis that the the consorts, through their journey, through their process, and through really having their usual way of looking at things broken down through the integrity and the power of intimacy, true intimacy, something is given birth to, and it's new. And within the very traditional Asian cultures, this was far more threatening, actually, than it is today. So I think one reason um, for teaching this today is because actually we're in a social situation where we can do it. And the other one is that I think we are uh, the spirituality of the human race, and particularly the uh, Buddhist spirituality, which so often at its highest levels was carried out by monks and uh, not particularly nuns, but mainly monks because of the patriarchal nature of the tradition, and uh, yogis and yoginis, men and women. Hermits living in caves, um, be, because it was carried out there, and because it was retained there, and because lay people often didn't have access to those teachings, it th- that's where they survived. But we're in a world now that we don't. Uh, first of all, we don't have um, a strong monastic tradition in the West that can hold these teachings. And secondly, we don't have a lot of hermits. And third of all, we as modern people are not in the uh, situation of you know farmers and and herdsmen and you know uh, and peasants, which really has been the situation in Asia, you know for uh, throughout Asian history, illiterate people who really had to work so much that they couldn't do what we're talking about here. There were always some lay people that carried out the tantric practices, but not many. We're in a situation because of where we're at, we can do this. And it seems appropriate and it seems we have the sophistication to be able to do it psychologically and spiritually. So who what is a consort and what is it, you know, what are, are the essential themes that mark the, the consort relationship? In the According to the tantric tradition, it's in the consort that we meet the phenomenal world. As uh, Trungpa Rinpoche, my Tibetan teacher, used to say, the consort is the representative of the phenomenal world. Well, what does that mean? In usual relationships, conventional relationships, the relationality often becomes a way of defending ourselves against the difficult parts of existence often we find ourselves hiding out in the relationship from the world it's it's kind of uh, you and me against the world and there is a sense of a common story that we share as partners a common uh, kind of uh, image that we have of our relationship what we might call an ego relationship every relationship has an ego uh, aspect to it and uh, often our behaviors are codependent and they're narcissistic and we're very self-involved and the other person becomes our support and that's often how things are for us in relation relationship the consort relationship is really quite different because in the consort We're not only not hiding out, but in the consort we actually meet reality face-to-face in the most naked and the most direct and the most complete way. In the consort, we meet what we might call the totality. We meet the the fullness of what is. Now, you might say, well, the consort is an individual person and then there are all these other people in the world and then there's the whole animal realm and the plants and the planet and then there's the solar system and then there's the Milky Way and then there are the other hundreds of billions of similar galaxies throughout space in this uh, local uh, you know situation and maybe other universes uh, so it so it's speculated and how can we say the consort is the representative of the totality? How do we know? How do we know? How do we encounter ultimacy in a spiritual sense? All of us in our deepest heart, heart of hearts long for the absolute openness and the, uh, the freedom of awareness and the unbounded love that includes everything. You know, why do we look at the nighttime sky? Why do we peer into the depths of subatomic matter? Why do we probe? Why are we looking? We could say it's for knowledge, but when people go up, you know, the space shuttle program, uh, where many people have died, uh, when those people go up, some of the things they found out and some of the things that they have taken into space have opened up the universe for us. They've given their lives to open up the universe. And, you know, whatever we may think about that is these people and many, many other people have sacrificed their entire life to find out more about this world we live in. And I think the driving mechanism for them and for us and for everyone is that the deepest inspiration, the deepest hunger of the human soul is to know the totality and to be free to experience everything as it is throughout all time and space. It may sound unreasonable, but that's how it is for us as humans. And the, the stunning fact is that we don't, you know, the stunning fact is, first of all, that we can't know the totality through our mind, our left brain, through knowledge. And we can't know it through roaming all over the earth, but we can know the totality through this unique relationship. The consort in his or her being actually embodies for us the dramatic and abrupt opening of reality to us, moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, week by week.
0: download more of reggie's teachings find out about upcoming retreats and to explore a variety of audio listening guides to assist you on your spiritual journey please visit dharmaocean.org Our music is by Jeff Beale and Nawang Ketchog from the album, Tibet, Cry of the Snow Lion.